Welcome to all those joining us for the Shir in Chaim Aran. Today, the 8th of Teves, we dedicate the Shir Lilo Nishmas Yosefa Bas Reb Chaim, whose yard site is today, and Lilo Nishmas Yehudis Gila Bas Reb Yitzchok Yaakov Hakoyim, whose yard site is tomorrow, Mitzvah Shem, on the 9th of Teves. We're continuing in the section of the stories surrounding the chapters in Likut Imran. We're up to paragraph 33. Rav Nossin Zal writes that in the year 5,568, after Sukkot, Rav Nossin traveled to the city of Lvov. Lvov is also called Lemberg. And Rav Nossin traveled there. One of the purposes that we know about was to see doctors there. And he traveled via the city of Krasna, and he spent the night there. And then, in the morning, Rabbi Nezal left suddenly. Rav Nezal writes that my friend Rav Naftali Zal and I chased after him until we were able to catch up to his wagon by a bridge. When it was crossing, it had to go up a mountain, sort of, and then cross over a bridge. And there was somebody who ran ahead of us and asked Rabbi Nezal to wait there. And then my friend Rabbi Naftali Zal and I arrived, and Rabbi Nezal, it seemed as if Rabbi Nezal enjoyed the fact that we were so excited to, to want to have another opportunity to see him and to, to, to spend time with him. And Rabbi Nezal asked us, what do you want? Do you want me to give you a bracha? Or do you want me to tell you a Dvar Torah? And Rav Nassim said, I responded immediately, the bracha you'll give us when you come back in good health from Lemberg. Now, if we could please hear the words of to- the, the Dvar Torah. And Rav Nassim began and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain to you the beginning of my trip, this trip that I'm taking now. And that was when Rav Nassim gave a whole Dvar Torah regarding the fact that each and every tzaddik in every generation is building a mishkan, a residence for Hashem, as appears in the famous chapter 282, Torah Reish Pei all the way towards the chapter entitled Azamra, Azamra Lolekai Boidi, where Rabbi Nezal speaks about looking for the good points in everybody and looking for the good points in yourself and all the way towards the end of that chapter, Rabbi Nezal opens a new discussion speaking about the fact that each and every one of the tzaddikim builds a mishkan. Now that shir, that Torah, Reish Pebez, had been given on Shmini Atzeres a few days before that. However, then when they were standing on this wagon with Rabbi Nezal, he began from the part at the end of the shir, and he spoke about the fact that a person who knows how to compose songs that are made of individual notes, and those individual musical notes that make up a song are like the good points inside of a person, that when a person gathers up a few of those good points, they can sing to Hashem. Rav Zal says that when Rav Zal finished the Var Torah, we kissed his hand. We know that this is something that the Arizal mentions, 
the Arizal says that when a person sees a tzaddik, and especially when a person receives a bracha from the tzaddik, one of the ways to seal the bracha is by kissing the hand of the tzaddik. We heard this from Rav Rosenfeld, Zechran of Bracha, and times, different times, when we tried to do it with him, and he'd pull his hand away very quickly. But he would encourage us, when we visited the tzaddikim in Yerushalayim, the Breslov elders in Yerushalayim, whenever we'd be getting a bracha, he would say, kiss his hand, kiss his hand. And then Rabbi Nisal told the wagon driver, let's go. And they left. Rabbi Nisal says, however, we still don't know how in that Dvar Torah is any explanation regarding Rabbi Nisal's trip to Lemberg, to Lvov, that he made at that time. That year is when Likute Maran, what we know today as Book One of Likute Maran, was published. And Rav Nosanzal says, there's a lot to say about this, the incredible wonders that Hashem did with me, how Hashem worked it out that I returned from Tulchin between Yom Kippur and Sukkot, and that's what gave me the privilege of finishing up the writing of the Sefer Hanisraf, which was a Sefer that Rabbi Nizal had written originally, and Rabbi Nizal had Rabbi Nizal write over a copy of this, and then at a later point in time, we discussed this earlier, Rabbi Nizal gave instructions for that Sefer to be burned. And in addition, Rabbi Nizal gave Rabbi Nizal the organized book Likute Maran that Rabbi Nizal had organized, which was published that year. <clears throat> and he says, and I got to speak to Rabbi Nizal a lot and to hear incredible Dvar Torahs from him, which are not just a benefit to me, but it's a schus harabim for generations. And he adds the words that Dovra Amela says in Tehillim, Mo'oshiv l'ashem kol tagmoloi aloi. How can I ever thank Hashem for his wonderful, wonderful kindness to me? Paragraph 34. Rav Nassim's all right. Yes. There's a question in the chat, please. Mm. Question in the chat that... Rabbi Nizal wasn't giving a bracha at that time. He was giving over a Dvar Torah, but still they wanted to show the tremendous deep love and affection and appreciation. And they understood that the Torah that a tzaddik gives, that's also a bracha. That itself is a blessing. The next paragraph, Rabbi Nizal adds, someone asked Rabbi Nizal on the final Erev Rosh Hashanah of Rabbi Nizal's life in Oman, which was a few days before Rabbi Nizal passed away on Chalamoid Sukkot, this person asked Rabbi Nizal if he could offer any advice for Hasmoda. Hasmoda means a diligence in learning, that a person should have a strong desire and yearning and, and persistence in learning. And Rabbi Nizal answered, Yes, my advice is not to speak against any Jew, because each and every single Jew has a letter in the Torah. The word Yisrael makes up the first letters of the words Yesh, Shishim, Ribui, Oisios, Torah. There are 600,000 letters in the Torah corresponding to the 600,000 Neshamais of the Jewish people. 
And when a person speaks against a Jew, it's like they're taking themselves out of the Torah because they're, they're finding a defect, a fault, in one of the letters of the Torah, which is the spiritual source of that person that you're speaking against. So now the person came back and said to Rabbi Nezal, but what if I see that he's a complete Russia? And at that point, Rabbi Nezal got angry at the person and said, how do you say about a Jew that he's a complete Russia? There definitely has to be a little bit of good, some good point in the person where in that good point he's not a Russia. And that's when Rabbi Nezal repeated what he had said previously on the Pasuk, V'oid ma'at ve'ein Russia, that when we find a little bit, a little bit of good in a person, then the, that takes the person out of that category of Russia. He's no longer a complete Russia, which is explained and elaborated on in chapter 282 that we mentioned before. The next paragraph, Lamed Hay, there was a person who had come to Rabbeinazal when he was young, when this person was a youth, and got very close to Rabbeinazal and heard incredible Torahs from Rabbeinazal, including especially chapter 12 in Likutim Moran, which is one of the great, great revelations where Rabbeinazal explains how it is that there are people who learn Gemara, especially Torah Shabal and they end up speaking against Sadikim. Rabbi Nezal gives a fantastic explanation in that Torah related to that topic. And other outstanding Torahs that this person heard from Rabbi Nezal. And Rabbi Nezal said to this person, I know that in the future you're not going to come to me anymore. You're not going to be close to me at all. And Rabbi Nezal says, sure enough, that's what happened. But Rabbi Nezal said, even the little bit that you tasted from me now is going to be a tremendous benefit to you. And he quoted the Pasuk in Mishlei, To'amo ki to'iv sachro lo yichbe balayla neira. The Pasuk says, taste, taste the words of Torah, this fabulous merchandise, its light will not be extinguished even in the night. And Rabbi Nezal says there that when a person is to taste the Torah of the Tzaddik Emes, then even when night comes, even when the person experiences all kinds of darkness, that Torah that they heard will shine for them. The next paragraph, Lamed Vov, Rabbi Nezal says, one of Rabbi Nezal's students told me that when Rabbi Nezal gave over the Dvar Torah in Likud Yimran, chapter 79, which is based on the Pasuk, Betach Bahashem Vasei Toiv, a Pasuk in Tehillim, Rabbi Nezal was walking back and forth as he did many times. He was pacing and he was holding a stick in his hand and Rabbi Nezal mentioned the Pasuk, Umate Eloikim Biyodi a divine stick in my hand. This Pasuk is mentioned about Moshe Rabbeinu when he went to Mitzrayim, when he went to Paroi, and he had that magical stick in his hand. And Rabbeinu said the words, in my hand, 
he said very, very slowly, very deeply, implying that he has in his hands this divine stick and he can turn it whatever way he wants. Now we know that in that chapter in Likut Imran, Rabbi Nassau makes reference to something based on the Zohar Kodesh, that this mate elikim, this stick that can be wielded either in any direction, that this alludes to the concept of free choice, that a human being in this world is always faced with choices and we have the ability to choose good, bad, right, wrong, and that this is related to the chief angel in heaven who is called the Malach Memtes. And the Zohar Kodesh speaks a lot about this angel that Kaviochel, as if we could say that on Shabbos, Hashem completely controls everything in the world. During the weekdays, during the six days of the week, Kaviochel, it's as if Hashem gives over some of the control to this angel, this Malach Memtes, who is referred to as this concept of right and left, life and death, kosher posel, tome tohor, osur mutter, the six different types of arguments that appear in the six sections of Mishnah, and as discussed a lot in the Tikkune Zohar. So, Rav Nosanzal says it was understood from Rav Nosanzal's words in saying that I have this divine stick in my hand, meaning that I have complete control over my Bechira. And there Rabbi Nezal speaks about the six days of the week as being a time of uh, where the pendulum is swinging, in a sense, where a person goes back and forth, whereas Shabbos is called Menucha. Shabbos is rest, complete rest. And Rabbi Nezal there speaks about two types of tshuva, that sometimes when a person starts the tshuva process, they're not yet fully established in holiness. And they have good moments and bad moments. They have alias and uridas. Until the person really, really establishes themselves solid in the Kedusha, even then they still have alias and uridas, but it's not the same as it was before. It's not doing good things and doing bad things. It's a whole completely different level of alias and uridas. And, and Rabbi Nezal said that a tzaddik who is zeichet to this tshuva on the level of Shabbos, when he, where he has complete rest, he has eliminated, he, he doesn't have to be afraid of evil anymore. He has complete rest from contained, contending with these forces of evil. And his tests are on a completely different level. Now, the next paragraph in Chaim Aran, paragraph 37, in this section, Rabbi Nosanzal says, is Rabbi Nezal's own manuscript, something that Rabbi Nezal wrote when he was a child, in his youth. Rabbi Nezal said, a person who wants to do tshuva has to become a completely new person. And Rabbi Nezal said that when a person performs anocha, Anocha means a deep, deep sigh, where a person takes in a deep, deep breath and then gives it out slowly. Oy! Taking in a long, deep breath and then giving it out, 
Rabbi Nezal said this is one of the ways that a person can create themselves anew. And he explained that a person never stops breathing. A person is always taking in air and giving out air, and that's what keeps a person alive. Now this air that a person is breathing has a source up in heaven. There is, the Torah speaks about havolim. Havolim means breaths. And there is a concept of a good hevel, of a tzaddik, a good, pure, holy breath of a tzaddik, and there is the hevel ra of a rasha, the bad breath of wicked people. The tzaddik is always trying to draw in his breath from holiness, and the rasha is drawing in his hevel peh, his breath, from tumah, from impurity. So now, when a person makes a decision that they want to do tshuva, they want to leave their bad ways, and they want to change themselves completely to start going on a new path of good, they have to break that connection to that bad breath. And therefore, the way to do it is through this anocha, where a person takes in a deep, deep breath and gives it out slowly, and they're drawing in a much, a much larger amount of air than they normally do. Now we know there's a Pasuk that says, a Pasuk in Tehillim that says, Toisef Rucham Yigvoyun. That very often, when a person is sick and a person's about to pass away, something very unusual happens. That before the person is about to pass away, a day before or sometimes a few hours before, they suddenly seem to have new life. They suddenly seem to be better, much better than they were in recent hours or in recent days. And people seeing this, watching this, who aren't aware, it looks like, wow, maybe the person is pulling out of the sickness. It looks like they're on an upswing. But they don't realize that sometimes this is an indication that the person is about to pass away. And shortly before a person passes away, they receive this toisef rucham, this additional life, like an additional spirit. They seem to come alive much more. Rabbi Nassau says now that when a person wants to do tshuva and they want to disconnect from that breath of tuma and connect, make a new connection to the breath of Tara, by doing this anacha, by taking in this deep, deep breath and having in mind that I, by doing this, I want to detach myself from the tuma, from the impurity, and start over, make a new beginning. This is how the person, in a sense, breaks that connection. They detach themselves from the breath of tuma and attach themselves now to this new breath, this pure breath. Now this anocha, when a person does this very often, when a person is upset about something, or they feel ter- about some, terrible about something, oy, Rab- Rabbi Nezal says that this anocha is the person sighing over the mistakes they made in the past, over the sins they did in the past. And this is an aspect of tshuva, of disconnecting from the tumor and, and entering into holiness. And by doing this, the person actually receives like a, a newness in the body. 
because we know the Gemara says in Brachas, Anocha shoiveres kol shaladam, that sighing breaks the entire body of the person. So Rabbi Nezal says, if sighing breaks the body and the person is still alive, it means he's getting a new body. And this is what the Pasuk refers to in Kohelis when it says, Yesh hevel ashenas al horetz, there is a an hevel. Hevel could mean vapor, and hevel means breath. There is a breath in the world, asher yesh tzadikim, that there are tzadikim that have like maisa horishoim, and there are rishoim that have like maisa tzadikim. And Rabbein Azal explained, this means there are tzadikim who commit major sins. And this is because of this breath, meaning that sometimes you have people who lead a religious life for a certain period of time, and then suddenly they change their mind. They start feeling bad about being religious. They make a decision they don't want to be religious anymore, chas v'shon. And they regret the, 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 the part of their life that they were living a good religious life. And they sigh over the good deeds that they did. And by doing that, they disconnect themselves from purity and connect themselves, unfortunately, to Tuma. And this breath, this deep breath that they took, this expression of feeling bad about the mitzvahs that they did, that deep breath actually causes them to turn to sin. And Rabbi Nezal says so to the opposite. We, there are cases where we see people who lived a certain part of their life as Rishon, doing all kinds of sins, and then we see at some point later that they're performing major mitzvahs like tzaddikim. And that also is because of this hevel, because of this sigh, this deep sigh, that they felt a real deep regret at some point in time for the way they were living and decided to make a change. And through that anocha, through that deep sigh, they were able to disconnect from the Tumor and connect themselves to Kedusha. And Rabbi Nosan Zal adds again, this is, a, this is something Rabbi Nosan wrote in his youth. The next paragraph, Lamed Ches, 38, Rabbi Nosan said that it's not really like what people say, meaning that people say sometimes that a tzaddik who acts smaller and he humbles himself in the presence of somebody else must be that that other person is greater than him. Because otherwise, otherwise that tzaddik wouldn't be humbling himself to that person. So it must be that that other person is greater than him. But Rabbi Nezal said that that's not necessarily true. It could be that the tzaddik has outstanding humility. And therefore, and that's why he's humbling himself before that other person more than that other person is showing humility towards him. And Rabbi Nezal said, if things in the world were really normal then it should certainly be that whoever's on a lower level should humble themselves before somebody that's greater than them. That's the way it should be. Because smallness should naturally 
becomes subservient to greatness. However, this world that we're in is not the world of truth, and it doesn't conduct itself, you know, according to the truth. And we find the Gemara says that especially as we get closer to the coming of Moshiach, the MS will be Ne'ederes, the truth is going to be wandering around. <coughs> and therefore, it's very possible that this could even be the case among Tzadikim, that one acts subservient to the other, and in truth, the one who's showing this subservience is on a much higher level than the other one. And Rav Nosson Zal writes that it was around that time that I heard chapter 135 in Likut Imran from Rav Nosson where he speaks about this concept, that it's normal for katnus to become botel in the presence of godless, that it would be normal and proper that something small, something on a lower level, should, should become null and void in the presence of something far greater than it. There, Rabbi Nezal speaks about observing the holidays, that by a person observing the holidays properly, Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, a person can get to real humility. Paragraph Lamites, 39. This is related to chapter 141 in Likut Imran, where Rabbi Nezal speaks about the month of Elul, and he reveals a tremendous Chiddush. There's a Pasuk in the Torah where Hashem says that when the Jews will really repent properly, do a real tshuva, Umol Hashem Zarecha. Hashem will purify, he'll, he'll remove the bad from your heart and from the hearts of your children. And Rabbi Nezal showed there in Likud Imran that the first letters of Eslavavcha, the Eslavav, make up the word Elul, referring to the fact that the month of Elul is a special, special month of tshuva, when a person can find it easier to get close to Hashem, to feel sincere regret for mistakes of the past, and to do a real tshuva. And when a person does tshuva, it doesn't just affect them, but if it affects all of their offspring. Rabbi Nezal said it affects their living offspring, and even the, the offspring that's not in the form of children, the seed that came out of the person that did not result in actual living children can also be affected by this. And Rav Nassim says what happened at that time was Rabbi Nassim was walking with me outside of the shul and again he was pacing back and forth as was his custom. And he asked me if I felt fear on Rosh Chodesh when they blew the shofar. And he told me, Rabbi Nassim told me, that he felt an awesome, tremendous fear when he heard the sound of the shofar being blown in the morning, as is the Ashkenazi custom, from Rosh Chodesh until up to Erev Rosh Hashanah. He felt tremendous fear and trembling. And that's when Rabbi Nassim revealed this Chiddush about Eslavov Chaveslavav, that when a person is zoichet, to feel, to really, really feel the pain and regret and remorse for the sins that they committed, 
then all of the hearts of all of the seed that came from that person, they also have to feel that pain. And wherever those droplets, wherever that seed has gone, whether it came and formed actual children or chas v'shalom, in the case where the seed did not result in children, wherever they are, those hearts must feel and experience that pain that, that the person themselves felt when they were aroused to these feelings of tshuva. And Rabbi Nezal said, I felt this today, because today I felt this tremendous trembling when I heard the sound of the shoiforah. And then my daughter Odl came to me, and she said to me, Father, my, my flesh was tingling. I felt tremendous fear in my heart from the sound of the shofar that I heard now. And Rabbi Nezal said, I saw this. I actually saw this with my eyes, that as a result of the heart of the father being awakened, the, the hearts of all the seed that came from him, his children or these other droplets, wherever they are, also experience this same feeling as a result of the fact that the father was inspired and felt this real pain for any mistakes of the past. Paragraph 40. Someone asked Rabbi Nezal if it's possible for a person to be a really great tzaddik even though we don't see we don't see him doing tremendous mitzvahs, doing major, major acts of outstanding serving Hashem, as we do see from other tzaddikim, where we see it more openly, more publicly, that when they daven, they show tremendous intensity in their tefillah, etc. And Rabbi Nezal said, it definitely is possible. It's possible that that tzaddik is hiding himself and therefore we don't see openly him serving Hashem in any incredible way. And Rabbi Nezal said, and it's very possible that he could be on a higher level, on a much higher level than a tzaddik from whom we see more openly the things they're doing to serve Hashem. And he explained, we know that there are two names of Hashem, there's Hashem's name, yud K vav K, the way it's written. And then there's Hashem's name, Aleph, Dalit, Nun, Yud, which is how we pronounce it. Now, Hashem's name, yud K vav K, is hidden. We're not allowed to say those letters. Hashem's name, Aleph, Dalit, Nun, Yud, is revealed. And everyone knows that Hashem's name, yud K vav K, is on a much higher level then Hashem's name, then Aleph Dalit Nun Yud. And Rabbi Nezal also added that we know the Gemara tells us that all of these songs in the Torah are holy. The holiest one is Shir Hashirim, the Song of Songs, which was composed by Shloima HaMelech. And, which, and Rabbi Nezal explains in chapter 243 in Likut Imran, that's where he speaks about this topic, that if you read Shira Shirim, it doesn't look like there's any holiness there. Hashem's name is not mentioned once. In all the eight chapters of Shira Shirim, there's no mention of Hashem's name. And to a person who's not aware, 
it looks like a, a love story, a, 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 an expression of love between a man and a woman. And in reality, the deepest secrets of the Torah are found, the Gemara says, all songs are holy. Shirashirim is Kodesh Kodoshim. It's the holiest one of all the songs. Interesting to note, I was just, nothing is coincidence. Last night, I was reading a little bit of the book, the biography that came out recently on Rav Rosenfeld, The Legacy. And just last night, I came across a place where it mentioned his, his reading Shira Shirin on Erev Shabbos. This is one of the things that he taught all of his students, the custom of reciting Shira Shirin on Friday afternoon. There are some people that do it in shul when they come to shul in the evening. There are some shuls, some of the Svarnim have a custom of doing it before Mincha. Some do it between Mincha and Kabbalah Shabbos. Different customs of when it's done. Rav Rosenfeld, Zechran of Racha, used to try to go to the Mikvah on of Shabbos as close to Chatzois, as close to midday as possible. Because when you go to the Mikvah on of Shabbos, that's when you're starting to take on that holiness of Shabbos. And then usually, right after the mikvah, he would try to recite Shira Shirim. And he quoted from the Zohar Kodesh. The Zohar Kodesh explains that when a person says, Amen Yeheshmei Rabbah, for Kaddish, each Amen Yeheshmei Rabbah that we say deducts one hour of Gehenim, Chas v'shalem. We know that there are 168 hours in the week, 24 hours in a day, 7 days, 7 times 24 is 168. And the Israel Kodesh makes a cheshven that if you add up all the Amen Yeheshmei Rabbas that a person says standard in Shachris Mincha Mayriv, it deducts, it break, brings it all the way down from 168 to 117. I believe it's not just an hour, it deducts an hour and a half, Shata Upalga, if I'm not mistaken. And it brings down the number from 168 to 117. There are 117 psukim in Shira Shirim. And by a person reciting Shira Shirim on Erev Shabbos, that can remove, that can eliminate from a person, Chas v'shalem, the possibility of having to experience the pain of Gehenna. So this is something that was very, very holy, very special. And Rav Rosenfeld imbued in his Talmidim a tremendous love and respect for this special moment of the week. The One of the Avoidas, one of the special mitzvahs that we do on Erev Shabbos, which is the reciting of Shira Shirin. Paragraph 41. Rav Nosenzal writes that before Rabbi Nassau gave the Shir, chapter 5, in the second half of Likut Imran, which is entitled Tiku Emuna, we know that on Rosh Hashanah is when we recite, on the night of Rosh Hashanah, we recite that special pasuk, Tiku Bachoidesh Shoifor Bakesel Yom Chagenu, Ki Choikli Yisroelhu Mishpot and on Rosh Hashanah, the last three years of Rabbeinu's, the last three Rosh Hashanahs of Rabbeinu's life, he gave three long, powerful shurim based on that Pasuk, 
one chapter one in the second half of Likud Imran is entitled Tikkun Memshala. Chapter five in the second half of Likud Imran is entitled Tikkun Emuna, and chapter eight is entitled Tikkun Toichacha. And before Rabbi Nezal gave this shear on the topic of Emuna, prior to Rosh Hashanah, he said that there were many people that were complaining to him about feeling a lack of emuna. And there were many people that were suffering different kinds of illnesses and were also pointing out that they felt a lack of emuna. And then Rabbein gave that shir on Rosh Hashanah where he addresses the issue of emuna and explains how when there's a weakness in emuna that affects many of the sicknesses that a person has. And Rabbein Azal goes into a fabulous, clear, elaborate explanation in the beginning of that chapter. Another item that appears in that same dvart, in that same shir, is he speaks about a term, Mogine Eretz, the protectors of the world. And Rabbein Azal points out that the Shpola Zeta it had been heard that the Shpala Zeda used that term about Rabbeinu Zal's Talmidim, about Rabbeinu Zal, Rabbeinu Zal. He referred to them as Mogine Eretz. And that was also included in that chapter on Likud Imran. Rabbeinu Zal has a whole major paragraph towards the end of that chapter on this, this term Mogine Eretz. In addition before we know that Rabbein Asal and Rosh Hashanah would give his shear between the first and second days of Rosh Hashanah. We know that on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, <clears throat> first you have Mincha, then you have Mayrif, then you have the night, then in the morning you have Shachris, Musaf, and then there's Mincha, and then there's Tashlich. Then we go for Tashlich, and after Tashlich, we come back to the shul for Mayrif. And Rabbein Azal, between Tashlich and Mayrev, that's when he would give the shir, the special Rosh Hashanah shir, which Rav Nassar writes, there were times that it lasted an hour, two hours, three hours, the Rosh Hashanah shir, well into the night. That year, when they were walking to the place where they said Tashlich, Rabbein Azal fell. And he fell in a place where there was mud, and he, he, he became dirty, and his clothing became dirty. They had to go bring a different, a different garment for him to put on. And in the shear that he gave right after that, he goes in paragraph 15, he goes into an incredible discussion about how in, for a person, if a person wants to please Hashem, if a person really loves Hashem, then not just for a mitzvah, but even to be able to give Hashem the tiniest satisfaction, the person has to be willing to roll in mud, in filth, to be able to give a nachas ruach to Hashem, to be able to give Hashem a little bit of pleasure. And Rav Nosanzal expresses his amazement how Rabbein Azal always included everything, everything that was going on was always included in the Torah that he said in a phenomenal way, in a beautiful way with the Psukim and the Gemaras showing, teaching us incredible, important lessons from this. 
And what a person is zoiche is to, if a person is willing to do that, if a person is willing to roll in the mud, to, to give Hashem a nachas ruach. After that Rosh Hashanah, Rabbi Nezal spoke about a person who had passed away and came to Rabbi Nezal and heard Rabbi Nezal's words and then Rabbi Nezal said he saw the neshama going up, 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 all the way up to the sun. The next paragraph, Membez, speaks about chapter 7 in the second half of Likut Yimran, which is one of the long, long Torahs. Again, that Rab- and there, towards the end, Rabbeinu Zal speaks about the burial of Moshe Rabbeinu, the passing away and burial of Moshe Rabbeinu. And Rabbeinu Zal told us that that part of the that part of his Dvar Torah was said not so much for us, but it was said for the other the others that come to join for the Shalashudas. And he said that when he, when he gives over words of Torah, there are the people that are physically present and there are the neshamas that come to hear, to listen to the words of Torah. And the Torah that he says for those neshamas is obviously on a much, much higher level than the things that are being said for us. And a little bit, a little small, small amount of what he, of what he said for those neshamas he revealed to us in a hint, but didn't really explain it. And this is what appears in Likut Imran at the end of that chapter, at the end of chapter 7 in the second half of Likut Imran. Now, paragraph 43, we come to that third tiku that we mentioned before, which is the shear that Rabbein gave a few days before he passed away, the Rosh Hashanah before he passed away, which is entitled... Tiku Toichacha. The word Toichacha means rebuke. And Rabbeinu Zal began that shear by saying that even though we know it's a mitzvah in the Torah, to rebuke a person when you see them doing something wrong, Rabbeinu Zal said, if Rabbi Akiva, during his time, said, I wonder if there's anyone today that's qualified to, to give this rebuke, to give Toichacha, Rabbein Zal said, and what should we say? How delicate and difficult this item is. And if a person does it the wrong way, not only will they not inspire or motivate the person in a good way, but they'll arouse all the negativity in that person and, and cause that person to fall much further away, chas v'shalom. And that chapter on Likut Imran when Rabbi Nezal gave that shear, he was in the last days of his life and he was coughing up blood. Rabbi Nezal said he went into, Rabbi Nezal called him into his room before Rabbi Nezal came out into the shul and he saw a large basin of blood that Rabbi Nezal had coughed up and Rabbi Nezal asked him, what do I do? What do I do? Should I give the shear? And Rabbi Nassim said, of course not, impossible. It's, it's a tremendous danger to your life. But, and Rabbi Nassim was was arguing and saying, but I've been waiting the whole summer. I was waiting for a Shoshana and there are so many people here and everything. And, and Rabbi Nassim kept pushing and pushing and Rabbi Nassim saw that he really wanted to do it. So he told him, okay, 
will position your chair not in the middle of the shul, but will position your chair right at the exit when you, leave, when you go out of this room into the main shul, so that if any point in the shir, you start coughing or things are no good, in a second you're out of the room, you're into your private room. And Rabbi Nezal motioned, I'm ready. And he went out and he spoke possibly for two hours. You look at that chapter on Likut Imran, it's pages and pages of incredible, incredible revelations. And one of the topics that Rabbi Nezal speaks about there is the incredible accomplishment when an additional person comes and joins a gathering of Jews that are gathered together to do a mitzvah. For example, especially when on the holidays of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, which are the times of the largest gatherings of Jews joining together in tefillah. We know that there are Jews who don't go to shul on Shabbos, they don't even go to shul on, on Yantif. But Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, everyone comes, just about. And Rabbi Nezal said, when you have a large gathering like that, when one additional person comes and joins, it multiplies the, the pro, 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 what's produced, what's generated from that prayer billions and trillions of times into numbers that we can't even, we can't even describe the numbers. And Rabbi Nezal explained, it's found in the Sefer Yitzira. It speaks about the concept of factorial. In, 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 in English, it's called factorial. That when you have two stones, two stones can build two, two rooms. You have A and B, they can, they can be formed as AB or BA. When you have three stones, they can form six combinations. When you have ABC, you can form six different combinations of that. ABC, ACB, BAC, BCA, and so on and so forth. Six different combinations. And Rabbi Nezal went on to show how this grows. That when you have, when you have, tw- when you have four four you can make 24 combinations. Five, it's 120. Six, it's 720. And it keeps going. And and Rabbi Nezal said, this applies, we know that every Jewish soul is compared to a stone. In Eicho it says, The holy stones were scattered in the streets, referring to the Jewish souls. And Rabbi Nezal there gave us an idea to understand the incredible importance when a large number of Jews gather together and one additional person comes and joins. And it's not just that it forms more combinations, but each combination is bigger. Remember, when you had three stones, when you had three letters, A, B, C, each one of the six combinations that were formed were from three letters each. When you have five stones or eight stones, each one of the hundreds or thousands of of combinations is much larger. It's made from five stones. So it's bigger in quality and greater in quantity. And and Rav Nassar goes on to say that he, he gives the number that if you have 13 stones, it becomes six 6,000 
227 million and 28,000, you know, 20,800. That's how many batim are generated. And, and Rabbi Nassau wanted to stress the importance, the tremendous importance of each and every person that comes and joins the kibbutz, especially on Rosh Hashanah, but in addition, whenever Jews get together, when there's a minion davening, we know that, for example, everyone knows that if you have nine Jews in a room, they could be the greatest tzaddikim. Avram Yitzhak Yaakov, Moshe Aaron Yosef Edovid, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechoi, if there are nine of them, they can't say Kaddish, they can't say Kedusha, they can't do the repetition of the Shmon Esrei, they can't take out the Sefer Torah to read from it. One additional person comes in, and all the laws change completely. Even if that person was the most ordinary person, and even if that person only came in for 15 minutes, all the laws change. You can say Kaddish and Baruch and Kedusha, and you can take out the Torah, all of those things. That everybody's aware of. But what Rabbi Nezal showed in that chapter on Likud Imran is that even after you have a minion, even if after you have 500 people in a shul and one additional person walks in, he multiplies the effectiveness of what's generated, the holiness that's generated, billions and trillions of times. Now here it's, it's written in Likud Alochis, Rav Nosanzal Sefer Likud Alochis, in Evan Ezer, in Hilchas Piria Verivia, Halacha 5, and in other places, Rav Nosanzal shows there, we find that the Gemara points out that each and every single mitzvah, Hashem made 48 different covenants, 48 different commitments that he caught, he, Hashem had the Jewish nation commit to performing the mitzvah. 48 times 603,550 people, which is the number of Jews that were present at the, at the time that we received the Torah, and each Jew signed for themselves, and each Jew signed on behalf of every other Jew. And Rav Zal says over there in Rashi and Toysfis and in the Marshal, they, they mention the, the numbers of obligations that we have there, that it goes into the billions and trillions and numbers that we can't even imagine of what levels of commitments. And the question is, how in the world could we ever fulfill all of those commitments? And Rav Zal goes on to explain there, the way that we can form a matching number to that is, by by when people, when Jews gather together, to daven together, to learn together, to join in a mitzvah, that generates even larger numbers, much larger numbers, than the numbers of, of covenants, the number of brises that the Gemara describes over there. I don't want to go into it. If a person has the Sefer Chaim Moharan or the English version of the book Tzadik, you can see the numbers mentioned there, you know, on, on both sides of this equation. Rav Nosanzal closes this, this discussion by saying that from this we see, we can understand the incredible benefit of those who are zechet to come to be in the presence of the great Sadiqim for Rosh Hashanah and at other times. 
and and Zoycha to join their kibbutz, their gathering of, of students. And and a person who's Zoycha to speak to another Jew and motivate and inspire another Jew to become religious or to do a mitzvah or something like that, that all of this adds, all of this, if they are close to a particular tzaddik, all of this adds to that package, that incredible package that the tzaddik prepares from all the different neshamas that come to him. And with this also, he adds, we could understand what the Gemara says, the famous Mishnah, that in the future, Hashem is going to give each and every single tzaddik 310 worlds. As the Pasuk says, Hashem says, those that are beloved to me, I will give them yesh. And yesh is this number 310. The Gemara says it refers to 310 worlds. So Rav Zal asks, how in the world are going to be, from where in the world are going to be generated all of these worlds for all of these tzaddikim? And he explains that based on the calculation that Rabbeinu Zal gives us here, when hundreds or thousands of Jews join together to do a mitzvah, here we can see the numbers that are generated. Rabbeinu Zal uses the term batim. Batim means houses, homes that are generated. The billions and trillions of homes that are generated, this could provide an explanation for these worlds that will be made available to these great tzaddikim. We'll hold it over here for now. One additional point before we close, that in that last chapter of Likud Imran, Rabbi Nezal mentions he speaks about toichacha, rebuke. And we know that the Gemara tells us that Moshe Rabbeinu, Yaakov Avinu, this week's, today is Sunday, this Shabbos, this coming Shabbos, we're going to be reading Parshas Vayechi, where Yaakov Avinu is about to pass away, and he gives rebuke to his sons, Ruvain, Shimon, and Levi. When he's giving the blessings to his children, he gives toichacha to the first three. And the Gemara points out that all of the great tzaddikim refrained from giving rebuke during their lifetime. They saved it for right before they were about to pass away when they couldn't wait any longer. Yaakov Avinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, etc., and sure enough, by Rabbein Azal, we find that this was his parting words. This was the last shear, the last public shear that he gave in his life, that Rosh Hashanah before he passed away, on this topic of Toichacha. He speaks also there about Moshe Rabbeinu doing battle against Oig Melech Haboshan, and that also appears in the opening words of Chumash Dvarim, which is the, where, where Moshe Rabbeinu gives this rebuke to Klal Yisrael. And it says there, that it was after Moshe Rabbeinu succeeded in defeating those two great kings, Sichon and Oig. There's still a little bit more on this, which we'll take up in the next Shir Mitzvah A question in the chat. Let's see if we can see it. Could you please share the question with me? I don't see it, unfortunately. Person emits a sigh of tshuva. Sorry, when a person emits this sigh of tshuva, is this something better done spontaneously without thinking about it from the heart, or is it more effective if they actually have an awareness as their hearts 
fill with regret that they are blowing out the Avera with this sari? The answer is that both are very good. Both are very good. However, when a person does this consciously, as part of a person's hispoidus, let's say, or part, part of a person's tefillah, then it certainly is, is very, very special. Very special. And again, this is one of the secrets that Rabbi Nezal teaches us in Likut Imran. He speaks about this in several chapters in Likut Imran, this power of anocha, that this concept of anocha, that when Hashem, the fact that Hashem has created the human body in such a way that we have a certain natural response to certain things. For example, in chapter 65, Rabbi Nezal speaks about the fact that when a person's about to experience something very painful, they close their eyes tightly. That's one of the ways a person responds. And Rabbi Nezal gives a very deep explanation as to why it is that way. Here also, this concept of anocha, when a person feels really terrible about something, and they, they give that anocha, Rabbi Nezal expl- mentioned here and in other places that this is a very deep spiritual experience that's actually taking place and that this could actually affect di- disconnecting somebody from from tuma from a past a negative a dark past and reconnecting the person into a whole new future of of purity and holiness tomorrow night asura beteves the fast day and also the yard site of our rebbe rabnosanzal the great student of rabenazal Shem should help that his zechus and the zechus of all the tzaddikim should help us be to absorb all the lessons of the Torah and to fulfill them and to be be to all the Yeshuas that we need, including especially the Geula Shlema, Bimhe Rabbi Amenu, Amen Vi Amen.